0: Welcome to the Pethwil Project, a podcast that explores the library of scripture, person of Jesus, and how they apply to our lives. My name is Joel and I'll be your host as we go through a series of audio reflections. My prayer is that you would understand and meet the person of Jesus in a real and tangible way. Well hello and welcome back to the Pethwil Project. I am very excited for today's episode because it's going to have uh, an apologetic bent. Now, if you're not familiar with what apologetics are, it is uh, a scientific and calculated method of defending the faith or defending the scriptures through reason. And we are continuing the series through Matthew, so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter two, but there's something very peculiar in this chapter Yes, we're we're introduced to Jesus. This is Jesus' birth. But we're also introduced to the star of Bethlehem. Now, if we were to analyze this chapter, we see that this star does very unique things. And this has been criticized throughout history. In the 1600s, uh, there was a man named Johannes Keffler who sought to study the stars and the sky to actually defend what the star was doing. Even Isaac Newton, when he studied the stars, his his goal was to defend uh, the star. And today is no different. We can look at the scripture and say, hey, does this hold up under scientific scrutiny? And I would like to suggest as we go through this chapter that we're going to see something that you would have never expected. Now, before I get into it, I need to give credit where credit is due. So much of what I've gotten for today's episode is taken from Rick Larson. He's an American lawyer who really spearheaded this research. And if you're interested in today's content, you can check out his stuff at Bethlehemstar.net. So without further ado, let's get into it. So the stars move like clockwork and in the 1600s, as I mentioned, Johannes Keffler, he introduced the three laws of planetary motion. And these are still actually used by NASA today. The solar system, it moves like clockwork. So we can see where the stars are going and we can see where they were. Uh, and this applies to any period in time. There's a software that, uh, is used called starry night where you can type in the location and the date and it'll show you where the stars were on that exact night even newton refined some of keffler's work and we today with modern software can actually calculate this so this is actually very new information and very very exciting that we can look at this as the church in 2020 and um so for a time stamp We need to know when we're looking. If we're to type in uh, where and when this star was, we need to know exactly when and where. And throughout scripture, there's these timestamps where the author says, you know, in in Isaiah, for example, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, it's like Isaiah is saying, fact-check me, man. This has a timestamp. And here in Matthew, we also get one of those timestamps in just the first verse, it says, during the time of King Herod. Okay, so timestamp. We know that. So for the majority of church history, people actually believe that Herod died in 4 BC. And this is actually incorrect. If you look at Josephus' writings, who is a historian during the first century, his, his content before 1544, he actually, you can infer from his work that Herod died in 1 BC which allows us to look at the sky in in 2 BC or 3 BC to see if there are anything, any stars, anything that's happening that lines up with what Matthew is saying in this this chapter. Now, before I read the chapter, I'm gonna introduce the nine characteristics of the star that we wanna be looking for. The first thing is that it signaled birth, That there was some that's whoever was looking at the sky, they saw, hey, there's, you know, someone was born. The second thing that this star is doing is that it's referencing the Jewish nation. As we're gonna see, there's these characters called the Magi, or we often refer to them as the the three wise men. Uh, Whoever these wise men saw the star and they associated it with the Jewish nation. So that's our second clue. The third clue is that it signaled kingship, that there's royalty here. Something um, is happening in the realm of kingship. The fourth thing that we're looking for is that uh, these magi saw the star rising in the east. And not all stars actually do that. The fifth thing is that it appeared at an exact time. The sixth is that Herod, the king during this period, he didn't know about the star which is very unique because in a culture, in ancient culture, people would often sleep on their roofs to endure the heat and they would see the, the stars in the sky. They would talk about it. There wasn't smog that was hindering the people's view of the night sky. The seventh thing that the star does is that it endured over time. We're going to see what that looks like. The eighth is that the, They saw it over Jerusalem and then over Bethlehem. So the star moved south. And the ninth thing that the star does is it stops over the place where the child is. It stops over Bethlehem. So there are nine very strange things. So we're gonna be looking for these clues as I read. So here we go. This is Matthew chapter two, verse one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked where is the one who's been born king of the jews we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him so those are our first four clues they these magi they saw that a king was born he was jewish and it rise in the east those are our first four clues continuing in verse 3 when king herod heard this he was disturbed so there is our next clue. He was completely caught off guard. King Herod is disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. And here the Magi are quoting Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Are by no means least among rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the King, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped. So though is our um, our next clue is that it it actually went due south and then stopped. Those are our eighth and ninth clues. Um, continuing in in verse nine. Um, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his uh, mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. Where, But when he heard that Achilles was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And when he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what has been said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. So that is chapter two. And before we get into uh, more about the star, I think I need to make a point about uh, astronomy and and astrology. There is a difference And the Bible actually gives a very stark warning against astrology. In Deuteronomy 4.19, it says, And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has appointed to all the nations under heaven. There's a firm warning, and this is just one of many, that we are not to receive instruction from the stars. There's actually a distinction. Astrology is letting the stars dictate our life. Uh, you know, we see them and and, and we we listen and we, we believe they speak to us and that is not actually the case. See, God placed the stars uh, to reveal his handiwork and to use as signs they do not run our life. We do not bow down to them. But we can see the beauty of our creator in his creation. There's just some passages I want to share uh, that affirm this. Job 9.9 9 says, He is the maker of the bear and Orion, the uh, Pletus, and the constellations of the self. So God actually made the constellations. Job 38.31-32 says, Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? Here, God is speaking. Um, he's asking a rhetorical question to Job. But the point is, is that God brings forth the constellations. Isaiah 40:26 says, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created these? Who created? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Isn't that incredible? God hung each star intentionally and calls them by name. Scientists have now discovered that there are over, with the Hubble Space Telescope, that there is over 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars in each one. These numbers are unfathomable. And our God placed them each by name and knows them. Just incredible. David writes in Psalm 19one through four, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world, so that the, the stars are, we can actually learn things from them. David is saying this, and, and Paul actually quotes David here in Romans 10, 17 through 18. This is what he says, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ, but I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did, and here he quotes, their voice has gone out into the earth, their words to the ends of the world, world. There, Paul quoting David's reference to, hey, the stars are actually saying something that we can learn from. And Jesus finally, in Luke 21, 25, he says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. So even Jesus says that there will be signs in the heaven. So we can be sure that 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 we are in in good company looking to see, hey, what exactly is this star and what is it doing? So right off the bat, according to our nine clues, there are three things that it can't be. It can't be a meteorite because meteorites don't stop. And that was one of our clues. It can't be a comet because comets are very visible and Herod was surprised, he didn't see it. It would have been the talk of of the town if there was a comet. Moreover, that comets are actually omens of doom. And we know that the angels, that they were bringing forth good tidings of great joy and that it wouldn't, it couldn't have been a comet that would bring forth the arrival of our Savior. Finally, it couldn't be a nova, which is an exploding star. Uh, they're way too obvious. This again, you had to know what you were looking for. So... This begs the question, who are the Magi and how did they know what to be looking for? Now, there's another historian called Philo, and he writes that there was an Eastern school of Magi who were actually good. See, the Magi is the same root word we get for magician, which is astronomers or sorcerers. And the Bible, again, has strong rebukes against astronomers and sorcerers, palm readings and the like. But Philo specifically says there was a good school from the east. Now, there was a time when the Israelites were taken into captive into Babylon, which is in the east. And we know that Daniel worked with astrologers. Uh, We know this from Daniel 4 through 7. It says, when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came and told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into the presence and told him the dream. So Daniel is actually working with these enchanters and astrologers. So Daniel would have been incredibly um, informed regarding the night sky. And it is possible that there was a school that Daniel would have raised up apprentices under him. We do know that Daniel actually died in Babylon, that he never returned to Jerusalem and that he would have, Um, raised up others to be looking for a signal in the night sky that would have brought forth the coming Messiah that the Jewish people were so deeply longing for. So this even gives us a hint as to where to look when we're positioning coordinates to look at the sky, that we should be going in modern day Iraq, where Daniel would have had descendants studying the night sky. So these magi They're anticipating something going on. They've been waiting for hundreds of years since Daniel had been in exile, waiting, studying, looking for the coming Messiah. And there is a specific light source in the sky that does line up with our requirements. And it's not exactly a star. It's actually a planet and planet comes from the Greek word wandering star because they move in a different, they moved around the fixed field of stars. They move differently. They don't rotate quite the same as the stars do. And what we're going to be looking at is, is Jupiter. Now, even before we get into Jupiter, Jupiter in itself takes around 12 years to get around the sun, which is an interesting and significant number in and of itself. There's 12 tribes, 12 disciples. Um, there's significance to Judah or Jupiter. But Jupiter is a king planet. It's known as the king planet. Now, in September of 3 BC, if you were in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, Looking east, you would have seen Jupiter, the king planet, come into contact with Regulus, the king star. Now, would have this been something significant enough for these wise men to pack up their bags and start heading to Jerusalem? Well, in and of itself, I mean, it's rare, but not that rare. But planets actually do something else. They do something called retrograde motion. Now, this is what happens when we, from a moving position, Earth is rotating on its axes, is looking at another moving object. This is the sensation we get when we're parked and we see a car beside us kind of rolling backwards. You get kind of get that sensation that you're moving forward. This is called retrograde motion. <clears throat> and planets do this. And... If we're to look at, you could get this software, Starry Sky, put yourself in Babylon, or you could watch Rick Larson's um, presentation on this, and they'll show you that Jupiter actually retrogrades and moves back over Regulus three times. So it, it crowns Regulus, the king star and the king planet, come together in loops three times. Now, this is now starting to get incredibly rare. But there's one more thing that makes this incredibly rare. This is all happening in the constellation of Leo the lion. Now we know in Genesis 49, 9 through 10, it says, you are a lion's cub of Judah. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judah you return from the prey my son like a lion he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares rouse him the scepter will not depart from judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his our savior is known as the lion from the tribe of judah so now we have the king planet contacting the king star regulus or Rex, where we get T-Rex, the king dinosaur, three times in the lion's constellation, the lion of the tribe of Judah, here we see the three major significant signs from the star fulfilled that is signaling birth. It is signaling a king, and it is signaling the Jewish nation. This was enough to get the Magi on their camels, packed up and started heading east. This would do it. Now, as they're moving east, this gives actually a nine-month period because if we're signaling that life starts at conception, that this time period works out perfectly, a nine-month window, as these Magi are moving east, they get to Jerusalem and they meet with, with Herod who is actually referred to as the dragon. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation, we see this this happen again. In Revelation 12, one through five, it says a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in, in pain and she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns, the crown seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman and was about to give who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations of with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Just beautiful prophetic language that John is recording here. We see this this woman, the virgin, the virgin Mary, giving birth to his son, the Messiah, and the beast, Herod, who Matthew tells us was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem waiting to devour the child. So we're seeing this here. So the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, and what's happening in the sky is that Jupiter is coming in contact with Venus, the, the mother planet. Now, this would have been in June of, B, of 2 BC. This is happening. If you, again, search in Starry Sky, the, the software, in June... 2 B.C. In Jerusalem, if you looked up at the sky, you would see Jupiter, the king planet, and Venus, the mother planet, coming into contact right over Jerusalem. Within the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin. And as the Virgin is rising, as John records in his vision, the moon under her feet, the moon is coming up under the feet of the Virgin, and it is a crescent moon. And this is the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. New life, a new year begins, and Jesus is born in June of 2 BC, if we're looking at what the sky is doing. Now, the star actually moves due south, so it endured over time and moves due south. And Jupiter does this. If you are standing in Jerusalem, the star or sorry, the planet follows retrograde motion again and moves directly south to Bethlehem and stops. And it stops right over Bethlehem on December twenty-fifth of two BC. Now this isn't indicating that Jesus was born exactly on Christmas. Our calendar doesn't even go, uh, doesn't even start then. But this would be the first Christmas. And the word that Matthew uses here um, for child is actually toddler. And it could very well be that Jesus is now six months old, that he was born in June, and now the the, the Magi are south in Bethlehem, and they bring their their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh to worship him and lay them at the feet of their new king. Now, the rest of the story is the family escaping to Egypt. Joseph receives a dream and he goes down to Egypt. And this just shows God's faithfulness that as they're in Egypt hiding, as King Herod, this insane lunatic is killing all the children under the age of two, God in his faithfulness protects his son, Mary and Joseph. And even in his sovereignty provided the financial resources from these Magi who came all the way from Iraq, gold, frankincense and myrrh to supply their flee to Egypt, to finance it. And here Jesus comes on the scene to fulfill every word that had been written what the prophets had wrote Jeremiah thirty one fifteen, exactly what had been told that the the children would be killed in Bethlehem Hosea 11 1, that out of Egypt I'll call my son every word to a T would be fulfilled which means that as we look back and see God's faithfulness as he organized the cosmos to signal His coming, which means that no matter what we're going through, God is not surprised by this. The God who hung billions, hundreds of billions of galaxies with hundreds and billions of stars, who knows them all by name and orchestrated his great plan to align with the beauty of his creation. He sees you. He sees me. And he loves you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pethwill Project. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a rating or even better, share this with one of your friends. For more information, check out our website at pethwillproject.com or follow us on Instagram or Twitter at the Project.